This episode of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manhattan Brewing Company. Manhattan Brewing Company is located at 406 Points Avenue in downtown Manhattan, Kansas. Quality, community, and education are Manhattan Brewing Company's three pillars, and we are super excited to have them back for their second year as the title sponsor of the Short Side Option Podcast. With nearly 20 years of collective experience in the craft beer industry, Jake, Adam, and Garrett are focused on brewing and serving high-quality craft beers in a family-friendly atmosphere in the heart of downtown Manhattan. Manhattan is their home, and they want to bring the best possible beer experience and education to the wonderful people of Manhattan, creating a place for everyone to come out and have a good time with friends and cultivate a craft beer culture that Manhattan can be proud of. Coming up on September 9th, they will have Stan Weber at the brewery for an evening with Stan Weber from 5.30 to 8.30. Stan will chat with fans about K-State sports and raise awareness and funds for the Manhattan Walk to End Alzheimer's. The Pride of Wildcat Land will also make an appearance, so be sure to stop by the brewery for this great event. Also, on September 15th, it's time for Oktoberfest at Manhattan Brewing Company. The final downtown MHK third Thursday is September 15th, and they are throwing an Oktoberfest celebration. They will be tapping a special cask of Fest beer on the patio to kick off the celebration, The streets of points will be shut down so you can walk around sipping on some delicious fest beer while rocking out to the air guitar competition or checking out all the other great third Thursday festivities. So bring your lederhosen and be ready for a party. Be sure to follow them on Facebook at www.facebook backslash Manhattan Brewing as well as their website www.mhkbeer.com to stay up to all the latest events going on the brewery. Some great stuff going on at the brewery, and uh, we'll be sure to have uh, the guys on here next week uh, to highlight some of those in some great detail. Now it's time for Dilo and I to preview this week's game against South Dakota and give our Big 12 season predictions. This is the short side option. have you with us here on another edition of the short side option podcast it's the icon it's Delu, and it's game week folks k-state takes on the south dakota coyotes au contraire, au contraire. coyotes and if, if i and i have it right in front of me here, the uh the, the south dakota game notes say we are coyotes not coyotes. Two syllables. Two syllables. They make that distinction very clear. Yep. So, folks, be all over it there. But it's a 6 o'clock kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. It's a big day for Kansas State. Kicking off the season, inducting uh, some all-time greats into the ring of honor at Kansas State. Uh, an exciting Saturday in Manhattan, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good to uh, get out there at Fort Snyder um, for the really the most anticipated season K-State football's had in a long time. Yeah, I was going to say probably since maybe 2017, coming into the season, we felt like we had a legitimate chance to compete for a conference championship. Yeah. Kind of similar to how Louisville, Texas, and Rutgers all had legitimate chances of playing for the <laughs> national title back in 2006. That's right. Very similar to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, no, I think Saturday's going to be a great game. Uh, should uh, be a good crowd out there in Manhattan. And ready be, to uh, kick off the 2022 campaign. Should be a really kind of a nice day for weather if it's anything like it's been here lately. Uh, pretty pleasant by 
uh, six o'clock to be outside. It, it should be a should be a, a, a picturesque day for college football. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and dig into South Dakota. Let's do it. Let's do it, brother. Uh, now the Coyotes are led by Bob Nielsen, who uh, he had won two national titles at the Division II level with Minnesota Duluth back in 2008 and 2010. He's been at South Dakota uh, for six years, and he's really done a hell of a job with the Coyote program. Coyote. Coyote program. Gosh, that's going to that's gonna be a bugaboo for me I'll on, catch on you Saturday. Though. I appreciate it. I need to get better. Need to uh, – t- what, what goal is that, Del? That's number four. Number four, self-improvement. Uh, and then he, this is a little fun little tidbit. He is one of 11 active coaches to have won over 200 NCAA football games. Wow. He's coached so, a lot of football. So that's the rundown there on, on Bob Nielsen, the guy leading uh, the, the South Dakota program when I was breaking down the game film. What, what did you, when you're breaking down the film, what did you see out of the Coyotes? Well, last year, they ran the ball about 60-40 split to what they did passing the ball. And, uh, 60-40 last, split, wow. Yeah, so they, they're more of a running, running team. Uh, they've got a nice little, little quarterback there. Uh, coming back for his uh, second year as a as the full time starter, and you know they've got a couple Kansas guys on or one Kansas guy Travis Tice or Travis Tice rather excuse me. He's one of the eight Kansans on the Coyotes roster, and he was the 2018 Kansas All Classes Offensive Player. Now, Dilo, I'll give you a, I'll give you an attaboy here if you can tell me where he might have went to uh, went to high school at. He went to high school at, um, at... It's a place... Here, I'll give you a hint. And I don't think you're going to need it because you're you know, a well-studied guy. But it's a place that you have a certain connection to. Oh, uh, Smith Center. He's a Pratt Greenback. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he was. He's won. a little frog out there. Yeah, now Pratt, they've, they've got a... I've played baseball there, played football there. And uh, they've been on the rise under under uh, Coach Cruz. Now they have Brett Holty running the show there at Pratt. A really nice program. You know, here's another fun fact because I know we have some people out in Andale that listen to this. The Andale football dynasty in 3A. Last team to beat them was Pratt. Holy smokes! A couple of years back, wow. I think the the win streaks up to uh, past 30 now for the for the Andale Indians. So. Well, and there's a, I do know there's a lot of bad blood between the city of Andale and the city of Pratt. So. But, you know, the last time South Dakota came here, you were up in the press box. That's right, yeah. And that was a little bit of a barn burner. That was my first game on the Kansas State beat um, when I was uh, writing for the newspaper. And that I almost had a mental breakdown <laughs> up there. Because you have to stay quiet. No cheering in the press box. No cheering in the press box. I'm just around a bunch of stiffs, basically. Um and I'm watching K-State down two scores in the fourth quarter to South Dakota. And the worst part is is that after the game, I was going to have to write about this. I feel like I'm about to experience the worst loss K-State's had, you know, in either Snyder era or close to it. And I was going to have to write about it. I, th- I thought about just quitting. <laughs> so, this is my resignation. Your first, your first uh, column, so to speak. Loyal readers. I've changed my mind. <laughs> that would have... I wouldn't blame you. Um, last year, South Dakota seven and five, got to the FCS playoffs for the second time in four years. And in this South Dakota team, they've maybe I should just call them South Dakota instead of uh, the Coyotes. Yeah, there we go. That, that that's a little bit better there. But uh, they they've gone and upset some teams uh, in the FBS, uh, Minnesota back in two thousand ten. 
Bowling Green in 2017. So they're they're used to going on the road uh, for these uh, for these pay games. Uh, no no, um, no, no surprise there. The one big kind of note about uh, South Dakota, and you may have seen them last year on uh, on uh, Sports Center Top Ten, a hail mary against South Dakota State. Uh, as as time expires to win the game, was the number one play on Sports Center. They're, they're very proud of that here in the game. <laughs> notes. So how about that there? But um, this is a team that last year statistically the best defense for South Dakota since two thousand nine. But when you look at the numbers, not overly impressive. They gave up 20 points per game. That's that's pretty not pretty respectable. But average of 5.3 yards per play. So not not great there. More than you like to see. But pretty good on third down. Held opponents to 35% uh, on third down. And they returned quite a bit on the defensive side. Uh, Brock Mogensen, an All-American linebacker for the Yotes. Keep your eye on him. So, you know, really, when you look at it, uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking here through the depth chart uh, for him here. Quarterback uh, is a guy um, Carson Camp. It's his. He started all 16 games since becoming the first true freshman in in South Dakota to start the season at QB. You know, pretty nice little quarterback. 11th best completion percentage and 14th best passing efficiency rating in school history last year. So a guy that that can get it done on the ground as well as through the air. Uh, but they have some guys on the on the offensive side of the ball that are that are good. Travis Tice probably leads the their running back stable. But really, this is the game that I don't think K State should have too much trouble in in slowing down uh, the South Dakota offense. With them being more of a running uh, style attack, you know that probably you know we with what our uh, kind of some of the question marks maybe in the in the back half of the secondary with the safety, kind of maybe a nice game to kind of figure that out in. Yeah, and it'll give uh, you know the the linebacking core, which is going to have some fresh faces on it. Uh, of course, Will Honus uh, sidelined this weekend um, due to injury. Austin Moore planning to step in for K State at the linebacker. Uh, that's that. Uh, what I guess it's the Sam linebacker position. Yeah. Uh, so we'll give him a chance to get thrown into the action and see a rushing attack early, uh, and kind of wade into uh, the his status as a starter for at least here the first few weeks. Um, not anything terrifying uh, as far as a. Offense attack goes for the uh, Coyotes, but uh, nice little warm up game hopefully for this K State defense. You know, and the other thing I was going to mention too is they do they do have some receivers though that that do that can you know make some plays there. Probably Carter Bell is uh, now because of the COVID year they they list him as a sophomore, but it's his fourth year in the program, so he's been around for a little bit because yeah. of the extra year with COVID. He was the team leading wide receiver last year. 41 receptions, five touchdowns, and 673 yards. Uh, big game last year against Western Illinois. 182 yards and two touchdowns in one half. So some guys there with uh, Carter Bell. Another guy that you have to keep your eye on, uh, Jack Martins and, and Wesley Elidor, that are that are some of their better pass catchers uh, right there on, on, on the outside there for the, uh, for the Yotes. Yeah, and this is... Again, I think the uh, the cornerbacks for K State is probably, I mean, one of the units that you feel, is, yeah, you feel the most confident in at least the starting two with uh, Julius Brents and Echo 
Um, and I expect them to uh, to really not have a too difficult a time keeping up with the South Dakota State, or I'm sorry, the South Dakota passing offense. See, you you call them Coyotes, yeah, I'm calling I, them South I, Dakota State. We're we're all over the place here, but we're 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 honing in. We're in early hey, season four. That's right. This is a warm up week for us too. But um, no, I, I expect Brents and, and Echo to uh, be able to uh, cover those guys. And if they can't, then it could be a longer season, we think. One guy I want to highlight, too, on the offensive line over there at the left tackle position, Alex Jensen, uh, preseason All-American, uh, a guy that uh, you know could have some, some opportunity to maybe play at the next level, uh, but started 28 games at left tackle uh, over the last three seasons for the Yotes and is a guy that I think is going to uh, probably – uh, be lined up with uh, Felix Anaduke Uzama, uh, you know, a fair amount. Uh, him and Nate Matlack both as they kind of rotate through. Uh, but I, I look at that as a kind of a nice little matchup there uh, to keep an eye on uh, throughout the game. Uh, on that left tackle position, the blind side of uh, of um, Mr. Carson Camp there. So uh, interesting little matchup there. Uh, a guy that has uh, has some chops there at the left tackle position going up against uh, what should be a really good K-State defensive line. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Alex Jensen, he's a nice little player. He's a converted tight end. Uh, early in his career, he's catching pass. <coughs> Excuse me, for the Coyotes. Now he's uh, blocking for him, And so that's uh, what we like to see. Should be a good matchup for uh, Felix, like you said, and uh, give him a chance to uh, hopefully have a big day, uh, but face a nice left tackle while he's at it. One other guy I want to highlight here on the offensive side of the ball for the Yotes, uh, Shamari Lawrence. No relation that I was found to Omari Lawrence, former K-State standout on the hardwood. What about David Lawrence? <laughs> yeah, the, you know, that's a, the, a good point. I, I, I My research did not yield any results there, but I'll, I'll be back to the grind there. Yeah, just, yeah check just, to see if he has any relation to the KU color. Well, yeah, and, and the guy that does a really nice job uh, hosting the, uh, the the wrap-up show there, too, uh, for for the Hawks. So, yeah. uh, something to keep an eye on. But uh, Shamari Lawrence, fourth-leading rusher for the Yotes, only played three three games before uh, sustaining a season-ending injury. He's there listed on the depth chart as kind of the number two guy uh, at the running back posi- position behind Tice. So, you look for him, uh, a, uh, a freshman, although his third year in the program, uh, out of Pompano Beach, Florida. So that's kind of the rundown here on the offense. As I mentioned uh, last year, ran the ball six times to four times uh, that they threw it. So you look for that probably to, to be a, a similar type of, uh, of of split, so to speak, uh, from what the uh, from what the uh, Coyotes are, are looking to do on uh, the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, but so. hopefully the mob gets back in. In gear, uh, continues where they left off last season, and uh, some of the fresh faces can uh, show up and showcase state fans what they're all about. So I mentioned Brock uh, Mogensen on the defensive side of the ball as we transition over there. Uh, he's a guy that's team captain, uh, second leading team tackler, and a preseason All American. They're the inside linebacking position for the Yotes, number forty nine uh, for for South Dakota. You know, this is a defense, as I mentioned, uh, had had a pretty good year uh, in terms of their program history, but uh, I don't think it's a defense that's going to give K State too much uh, issue uh, with how they're going to be able to move the move the ball offensively. Yeah, I, I think you know K State 
typically starts off the year pretty slow on offense, I feel like. Uh, you know, take last year's Stanford. Um, a fine game. It had some high points, but the offense was didn't exactly explode. Arkansas State the year before, uh, same deal. And so um, I wouldn't be shocked to see some early miscues, especially um, given that it's uh, Adrian Martinez's first go with this Wildcats team. Um, might take a game to get on the same page with everyone. But uh, otherwise, I think that this is what the doctor ordered for a for a team that you know you're you're worried a little bit about just getting off to a, a hot start. And so I'm I'm glad we're playing uh, South Dakota this year rather than a neutral game at Stanford. Yeah, absolutely. And you know this is a good game for K State as as we're we've got the Missouri game here on the background where uh, K State you know faces a an SEC uh, team. Uh, a team that made it to a uh, to a bowl game last year out of the Southeastern Conference here as Mizzou gets an interception and taking it back down the sideline. But really what you see here, this is a good game to kind of – because K-State on the offensive side of the ball has some new faces. Uh, obviously a quarterback with Adrian Martinez and then some new guys that are going to be called upon and maybe some different roles on the offensive line. Uh, kind of a, a bit of a surprise to maybe us. I don't think it's a, a huge surprise. I don't think in terms of uh, necessarily how things – necessarily shuffled out, but uh, Cooper BB starting inside at left guard to start the season. That's right. KT Levison at uh, at the left tackle position. And then uh, Taylor Portier. Uh, right now, I believe it was Hayes Gillum and uh, and uh, Havley Panzer listed at, at the oar uh, uh, at right. the center position. Uh, and, and then uh, uh, Duffy over there at right tackle, who I was... I'm going to look this up, too, because I want to make sure I get this right. I believe he had started uh, the most games uh, of any player returning for Kansas State. I don't have the number right in front of me, but uh, you kind of forget about Christian Duffy over there as kind of a mainstay on the right side of the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, I guess Malik uh, injuries probably uh, keep him from uh, getting that title, but Malik's a guy who's been around forever yeah um but yeah Duffy's been kind of a staple on the right side of that line for a long time uh I'm a little surprised that he's got the most starts under his belt but I I guess I really shouldn't be just because he's been a constant for K-State there the last three years let's switch sides here of the ball before we get back to the K-State offense let's go look at the K-State defense uh I kind of want to run down the depth chart here with you uh which was released earlier this week Felix Anaduke Uzama, no surprise there, listed as a starter. Uh, Eli Huggins, uh, Nate Matlack uh, round out that starting group there on, on the defensive line. Then at the linebacking position, Sean Robinson uh, is listed as a, as a co-starter, so to speak, with Khalid Duke at, at one linebacking position. And then at the inside linebacking position, you have, um, you have Daniel Green and Nick Allen. Uh, as the two deep there, and then the other linebacking position, Austin Moore, and then maybe a little bit of a surprise here. No Will Honus listed as we mentioned previously, but uh, Jake Jake uh, Clifton and Gavin Forche uh, at the uh, as the backup there, the other inside linebacking position or at the other linebacker position rather, not the inside linebacking position, but necessarily there. But uh, interesting to see kind of what the depth chart shows. You always take a little bit of a grain of salt with these early season depth charts. Uh, I know Kleiman uh, is looking to play 
uh, both on the offense and the defensive side of the ball, a lot of guys here in this first one. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, guys like uh, it'd be great to see Clifton. It'd be great to see Forche. Uh, then you go down to the uh, safety position, see guys like VJ Payne uh, getting in the mix, Hunter Henry. Uh, but I, I think you know there, there's an opportunity for uh, some of the young guys and even some of the freshmen. Um, to get out there on the field on Saturday and uh, get their first taste of collegiate football. You look at the other safety position uh, that sticks out to me, uh, Drake Cheatham and uh, and Sincere Mason listed there as kind of co-starters. Uh, also, as well as you mentioned, Kobe Savage getting, uh, getting uh, the nod here to start the season over T.J. Smith. There, there was kind of some rumors that he might be battling some injury uh, for T.J. Smith here. But uh, this is a group that I think you're going to see maybe five to six, maybe even seven guys uh, get some significant playing time here in, in the opener. And uh, for K-State fans that uh, are really wanting to look at kind of maybe what this defense can bring, that's going to be a particular spot where I have my eyes at here on Saturday. Yeah, it's just a chance, and that's what's fun. And, and hopefully it's where K-State's in a position where they can do this and it's not a game where we have to kind of sweat it out. Um you know, like, uh, who was it a couple of years ago? Where oh, Southern Illinois, yeah, yeah Southern Illinois, and uh, then South Dakota, right, right, right. No, I, but I'm thinking of the Southern Illinois game where it was like you're holding on for dear life. But hopefully, this is a, an opportunity for K State to get a nice, comfy lead, um, and then show out what some of these young guys can do, and, and get them a chance to get a little experience and uh, get a taste and. Uh, move on. d Lou, I'm going to ask you to put your offensive coordinator hat on right now. So All right. Get that thing buckled up and, and straightened out here. Yep. What are you calling for the first play of the season? First play of the season? Yeah. I'm calling a Deuce Vaughn run. Right tackle, left tackle? Right tackle. Right tackle. Yeah. Off to the right side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like it. But, you know, I'll say between the tackles, actually. Between the tackles? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if, if BB's inside... I think we're going to have a mean interior line. Um, and I think we should just be able to steamroll the middle of the South Dakota defense. You know, my first play? What's that? Read option, Adrian Martinez. Oh, my. He keeps it for about a 15-yard gain. I love it. How about that? I think it's great. It's we'll, see, we'll, we'll see what maybe Mr. Colin Klein has uh, up his sleeve. Mr. Here. Coach Klein. Mr. Coach Klein uh, there on the first uh, – the first. you know, whenever I think of that, because that's always kind of a fun off-season topic, like what, what's, your call, what's your call for the first play uh, of the season? And uh, I always think back to the 2006 uh, opener where we go deep uh, on the first play of the oh, season. Yeah. Dylan Meyer gets intercepted. <laughs> yeah. So, you know yeah. – Going for broke, baby. Right Illinois off the state. That's right. That's right. Um, so let's go ahead and kind of switch back here to the offensive side of the ball. I, unless there's anything else you want to cover on the defense. Nope, side. that's it. Offensive side of the ball, what are you hoping to see most from the Wildcats on Saturday? I'd like to see Leviston hold up his end of the bargain and, you know, really secure the left side of that line. And, and that'll. That's one thing I definitely want to see. Also, want to see uh, Adrian Martinez stay healthy, and those two things kind of go hand in hand. Um, sure. But otherwise, I think that the offense is more or less a known quantity at this point. We, I, I think we kind of expect 
uh, what the floor is going to be. I'd, I'd be shocked if K-State really had a hard time moving the ball. Um, but as far as this week goes, I just want everybody to stay healthy. Yep. Um, I, you want to you want to put, put a good performance forward, but more than important, more importantly, you want to stay healthy. Yeah, I, I'd like to see Martinez not turn the ball over, um, just to kind of hopefully get those ghosts uh, out of his head. Um, and yeah, it'd be great if Malik had a nice game and came out looking like he's a star. But um, yeah, I, I'm not asking much for this week. Go put the work in, get out of there. Would love to see a little bit out of maybe an R.J. Garcia, maybe is it Keenan Garber, Jaden Jackson, one of the kind of the newer faces at wide receiver. It's hard to call, hard to call um, uh, Garber one of a, a necessarily new face because he's been around for a little bit. But uh, one of those three guys you kind of have earmarked as uh, maybe a guy that can really take a step forward this year and give K State a little bit more of, a, of an X factor in the in the passing game. Another guy that I'm looking forward to, to seeing as well, my guy Sammy Wheeler at the tight end position. Yeah, speaking of staying healthy. Absolutely. And this is his first kind of full year, really, when you look at him as a guy that is going to be the the starting starting option there at the tackle position, or at the tight end position, rather. Last year you had Daniel Matterbebe, uh that, that when healthy, and when he was able to go, was a guy that um, really – really shined when, when he and had some big plays, uh, especially in that Nevada game where he had two uh, two big touchdowns there. I'll be interested to see what K-State gets out of the tight end position. Ben Sennett is another guy that uh, is listed there as a, as a pass-catching threat at the tight end position. We'll be interested to see maybe it, how we utilize the tight ends because that's one thing that I think growing up uh, under, under Bill Snyder, you always say, man, why don't we ever throw the ball to the tight end? Yeah, we should throw to the tight end more. This, this team... A little bit, a little bit thin on those options as a tie, as it relates to the tight end position. But I do think uh, Sammy Wheeler is kind of an, an X factor that uh, maybe goes unnoted by some. Certainly not here on the short side option. No, no, we are the premier Sammy Wheeler podcast. Uh, but I don't think we're necessarily thin at tight end. I think we got some options there. Um, I'd say a little inexperienced. Sure, but. Um, no, I think I'm with you. I, I think Wheeler is one of the better tight ends in the conference when he's on the field. Um, and then you got guys like Will Swanson too yep. coming down the pike. And so uh, we'll see. I, I'm I'm very interested in seeing uh, what the pass catchers do, particularly R.J. Garcia, who's apparently taking a big step in the offseason. It would be nice if Garber got some time um, to get in there and kind of run it back, <laughs> try again. Um, and so we'll see. I'm also curious, um, you know, Kleiman said this week uh, that if they can preserve Howard's redshirt, they want to. Um, so if there's somebody who gets a lot of time, uh, backup quarterback who gets a quarter of action this week, be interesting to see if it's a Rubley or Howard. Um, my impression, based on Kleiman's comments this week, is that it's likely going to be Rubley uh, if they can preserve Howard's redshirt. Um, and only play them when they, if they're in a position where they need to. Um, so that I thought that was a too. very interesting comment. A lot very of, interesting. A lot of speculations like, well, are we thinking he might transfer out to like keep that red shirt to that? That's his preference to maybe keep that red shirt 
for a potential transfer. Also, people have been speculating potential uh, position change, maybe to a tight end position. That I, I'm not going to get too much into because I think that's just kind of all here at this point. I mean, if nothing else, Will Howard's an experienced quarterback for K-State. Okay? He's played a lot of football for K-State at this point. Has always been great, but he's done it. And right now, he's considered the second best option for K-State. For the foreseeable future, it doesn't look like he's going to become the third best option for K-State at any point. Um, unless somebody like Adrian Lara steps up here in the next two years to shove him down, or Ribley, or, or whoever. But um, about that Avery Johnson cat? Yeah, he he. Well, I'm just saying that somebody's got to start. Somebody's got to be the backup. Sure. And so long as Howard's here uh, for the next two, maybe three years, keeping his eligibility is not a bad thing. Backup quarterback's an important spot, and if the coaches think he's going to be the option, the number one or number two option in three years, which is certainly possible. Um, yeah, I mean, best practices says keep the eligibility if you can. When reading through the K-State game notes, I came across a couple couple tidbits that I thought were interesting. Adrian Martinez will start at quarterback for the Wildcats after spending the previous four seasons at Nebraska. He is the first K-State quarterback to start a season opener after transferring from a Division One school since Matt Miller, uh, who, who transferred to K-State from Texas A&M, started the 1994 season opener. And he is the first ever to come straight from one Division One school to start the next year's season opener. Obviously, with the, the transfer, uh, how, how things were, were situated back, yeah. back in those days. Uh, Matt Miller, of course, who, who actually just recently passed away. Uh, rest in peace to Matt Miller. But he... Um, he he had to set out a whole year before before getting into the action there at, at Kansas State, um, so that was an interesting note. I I, I thought uh, also running back Deuce Vaughn, much valued. All, everyone's all everyone's all American. Yeah, he returns for his junior year after being named a consensus All American in twenty twenty one, the eleventh in school history. He is one of just six consensus All Americans returning from last season and the first Wildcat to return after a consensus All-American campaign since David Allen in 1991. Wow. Uh, he could move into the top 10 in school history in career all-purpose yards on Saturday, and I bet he does it because he only needs 57. Darren Sproles wasn't a consensus All-American in 2002. No, he wasn't. Wow. He didn't even win the Doak Walker in 2002. We can be a consensus All-American. That's true. But, yeah, that's true. But uh, oftentimes, you know, maybe that kind of goes together. You said he went to Dope Walker last that's year. That's true. He was an all-purpose guy, though. That That's kind of what, you know, kind of a little bit of, uh, you know, it, it always irritates me when you, you see a guy like Deuce Vaughn that's listed as an all, like they throw an, an extra player essentially on the All-American team as an all-purpose guy. Because not all yeah. the times they have that. But hey, well-deserved honor. I think he should have been, had one I'm of the running, back, uh, running back spots. I'm, I'm a little surprised uh, somebody like Jordy Nelson wasn't an All-American. Well, his big year was, was his... Uh, seven. And then, uh, and then in 08, not back. Right. So yeah, I, I I just assumed that he was all American in two thousand six too. Yeah, 
Well, entering the and then the, well, this is the other note. I think this one is particularly interested or interesting for for K State fans that are really looking at maybe this Adrian Martinez Deuce Vaughn uh, backfield is maybe something similar to what you saw with Darren Sproles and L. Roberson. Yeah, the comparisons are pretty easy to draw there. Entering the twenty twenty two season. Deuce Vaughn ranks first nationally among active non-kickers in career points per game with 8.1, while Adrian Martinez is third wow. at 5.5. Well, those are two guys that have been the bulk of the offense for their respective for, exactly. teams for the last few years. And so uh, that one doesn't surprise me, but a pretty interesting note nonetheless. Switching it over to the defensive side of the ball, this is all I've got here. Steve Standard was the defensive coordinator at South Dakota in 1996. How do you like that? So how about that? A little bit of homecoming there. Absolutely. For the linebacker coach. So before we get to our predictions here for this game, we talked a little bit about the ring of honor that uh, is taking place. And there's six guys going in. Arthur Brown, 2012 first-team All-American and the 2012 Defensive Player of the Year in the Big 12. I'm going to ask for one memory here uh, of yours for Arthur Brown. 2011 Baylor. has to be. Yeah. Unbelievable game. Is it the interception or is it the chase down? It's the chase down. The chase down was a great play. The interception gets a lot of the love because that's maybe almost more of a highlight play. But that too, that uh, I think K State had just taken the lead after that interception. Yep. Where the next possession out, Arthur or Arthur Brown chases down RG three and gets him maybe either right behind the line of scrimmage or. Um, or, or for a a, a a one yard or two yard game. <laughs> I think that's the play. I can't remember if it was Arthur Brown or somebody else who, after the play, he's going nuts on the sideline, just sprinting down the K State sideline, and trip basically trips over a cord and yanks off somebody's headset. <laughs> he he had he had to get back in there out on the field. He didn't have time for for uh, for pleasantries there. Necessarily. Yeah, but he he was hustling. If, if you go back and watch that, it's hilarious to uh, see the headset get yanked off. So I was uh, looking up the next uh, some some tidbits here on on the next uh, Ring of Honor inductee, and, and this is a gentleman that uh, we did not have the pleasure of seeing play, and that's Larry Brown, no relation to Arthur. Uh, in 1968, he's and this is ripped exactly from K State uh, game notes. 1968 served primarily as a blocking back throughout his career, but still rushed for 402 yards on 111 carries was so dominant as a blocker in Russia that one pro scout said, quote, Larry is a real contact player. I watched him run and block all afternoon. He hits hard on every play. He's not afraid to stick his head in there. Wow. So there you go there. He was a the 1972 NFL MVP as a member of the then Washington Redskins. He was the NFL MVP. He was. Oh. Be hard, huh? <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yep. MVP. For a guy who rushed for, what did you say, 400 yards? Yeah. Wow. He was drafted in the NFL and, and uh, was the, uh, the MVP uh, of, the, of the National Football League just four years after his time at Kansas State. So uh, another guy that I was going to highlight here, and, you know, Darren Howard inducted here into the Ring of Honor, 1998 and 1999, first team, all Big 12 player. His 29 and a half career sacks is the most in Kansas State history still to this day. And uh, is a guy, when you look at his career, I mean, gosh, after the 1998 season, a lot of talk about him uh, possibly testing the NFL, comes back for 1999 and has another great year there. 
uh, is a guy that when you look at his maybe any like sort of highlight plays, I, I know he had a, a an interception return for a touchdown uh, back in 99 against Temple. But really what I think of Darren Howard, I think of a guy that just brought it game after game and a guy that uh, was really one of the standout players on some of K-State's best defenses. One word to describe Darren Howard? Relentless. Relentless. Yeah. I, I think that's a great quarterback's nightmare. And he went on to have a big NFL career with the New Orleans Saints yep. and the uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, a guy that uh, also had a great NFL career in addition to a historic career at Kansas State. Next up, Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator for Kansas State. Yeah. Not too long ago, 2012 to be exact, Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award winner, Heisman finalist, 56 career rushing touchdowns, 61% uh, uh, passer through his career, uh, his, his 2,641 passing yards in 2012 at the time were the sixth most in K-State history. Which is really saying something because you think Colin Klein, you just think of him bulldozing through the middle of the field. But there have been a lot of quarterbacks played for K-State. And Colin Klein's... Uh, Threw for 26, over 2,600 yards in 2012. Impressive campaign for Colin Klein. Um, what can you say about it? He's fantastic. All-time great K-State player. Yeah. Now back as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. That's a guy that, you know, Ernie Barrett, Mr. K-State. When it's all said and done, Colin Klein might have that moniker. He very well could. He absolutely could. And, uh, as of last year, uh, when I when I was able to look up these stats, his 56 career rushing touchdowns ranked fifth most in NCAA history among quarterbacks. Wow. So uh, a guy, a, a really a true dual threat quarterback, uh, as he kind of maybe not so much the first year, maybe uh, maybe more ground r- uh, related in, in 2011, but in 2012 really took those steps and uh, really distinguished himself as one of the premier quarterbacks in the Big 12 uh, over, over the conference's history. Uh, no question there. So one guy, the next guy on the list is a guy that K-State fans it will, 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 of course, remember fondly, and they see him play on Sundays here in the National Football League, and that's Tyler Lockett. Uh, during his record-setting career, Tyler ranks first all-time in the following categories, and there are other ones that, that he also ranks in, but these are the ones that I, I found uh, most uh, important, so to speak. First in career receiving yards, career receptions, career receiving touchdowns, most receiving yards in a game, most 100 yards re- receiving games in a career, all-purpose yards in a game, kick return yardage in a career, and he is the first four-year All-American in Kansas State history. Which is incredible. Being All-American all four years. You know, there was a story. Uh, I went to uh, to watch... Uh, I went to the K- Kansas City Catbackers event here just this last Tuesday, and they uh, were talking about Sterling Lockett, uh, who is Tyler Lockett's younger brother. He, he's uh, entering his freshman season here at Kansas State. And uh, when Tyler Lockett first uh, stepped on, on campus at K-State... His plan was to redshirt his freshman year. And after a couple, you know, fall practices, it was clear that uh, 
he he was not going to be redshirting. This is the yeah. guy they needed out in the field in, in that 2011 season. And then he goes out and becomes an All-American. Well, and the story is, uh, and this is from Stan Weber, is that the coaching staff were like, hey, Tyler, you need to really not be thinking about redshirting. Uh, because that was what his, his thought was. He's like, I need to get bigger. I need to get stronger uh, before, before I'm really able to contribute to this team. And uh, coaching staff called up Kevin Lockett and said, hey, Kevin, I'd like you to come come to practice today. Kevin drives down from Kansas City, watches practice, and the coaches said to him afterwards, he's like, what would you see out there? And he's like, looks pretty good. Looks, looks like he's you know well on his way here. He's like, you need to tell him he's not redshirting this year. <laughs> because we, we've, we've told him, it, and it's not that he's not listening to us, but he, we need you to tell him that he is too good to be able to be redshirted this yeah. year. So, fun story there in terms of what uh, Tyler Lockett, and obviously when, when you have that kind of talent uh, that he possessed and, and that he was able to, to do as a, as a freshman serving as a uh, kick and punt returner, but as well as a, as a leading receiving target uh, on that 2011 team and then as he blossomed in his career uh, as being the best receiver in K-State history. Well, and looking back, it was the right move because... Oh, no question. Like, 2015, to the, even if he stayed for 2015, which isn't a given, but even if he registered and stayed through 2015, it's like, no, our window there in that period played 2011 to 2014. No question. I mean, three of those years are the best three years K-State's had in the last since 2003. Decade. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that that good call by the legend. Yes, absolutely. And then last, but certainly not least, in terms of the inductees in this class of the Ring of Honor. Who would you say is least? Be honest. <laughs> don't, 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 don't make me do this here. No, this is the Ring of Honor. There, no one is no one is uh, is worthy of that designation. You put me on the spot there, uh, but in terms of my favorite K State player of all time, it's L. Roberson. Your favorite is all of all time. Yep, yeah. L. Roberson's my favorite. Roberson. My favorite uh, K State player of all time, and L was the first quarterback in Big Twelve history to pass for five thousand yards and run for tw- or uh, twenty five hundred yards in a career. A dynamic dual threat quarterback. L. Roberson ranks most rushing yards by a QB, fourth all-time in rushing yards, third in career passing touchdowns, and second in career touchdowns scored in his illustrious K-State career with 77. Uh, A guy that, uh, you know, I loved growing up. I could not be more happy that he is uh, getting his fair shake as a a guy that is uh, inducted to the Ring of Honor at Kansas State. Yeah, just an absolute baller. I, mean, I love him. Yeah, a guy that just embodies the word swagger um, for K State. Uh, a guy whose career started out kind of slow, rocky. Uh, yeah, I was talking about him today. Um, talking about that Oklahoma game in two thousand one, where you know everyone that was the game he flashed, and that was where K State fans were able to say, "Okay, there is a future here with this guy." You know he. It was like 12 of 36. <laughs> no, yeah. Idea. No, he threw for 250-some-odd yards. Ricky Lloyd. Yeah. Brandon Clark still running deep in that game. Yeah. But um, ran for about 120 yards or something. But throughout his career, just continued to progress. Um, 
you know, some tough injury luck in 2003 that kind of set, a, set him and K-State back that year. But over the course of his career, an absolute all-time great for K-State. You know, and one thing I want to mention with L. Roberson, I, when, when you think, and I want to have you go back here to Colin Klein, you think of like an iconic moment necessarily in his career. What, what cups comes to mind for you? Really, my favorite Colin Klein game is 2011 Oklahoma State. Oh man! What I mean, it, it was a brutal finish, but that that game, it between him and Justin Blackman, it just two Haymakers. absolutely dominant offensive players doing it in different ways, of course. But yeah. I mean, uh, West Virginia game is his senior year was spectacular. That diving catch by Tyler um, in that game, the touchdown. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably say, but gosh. The thing about Klein is that there, when you think about his career, he was just so steady at it. There, there aren't a ton of absolutely bombshell plays he had. It was just a real constant four or five yards of carry, just brutalizing defenses. Um, but in terms of his, my two favorite games from him are that 2011 Oklahoma State game and the uh, Western Virginia game. My my Colin Klein game, 2011 Miami. Yeah. Uh, with the Miami uh, home field serving as also a baseball stadium at the time. Those elbows got got a lot of uh, work early on uh, in that He's game. Constantly bleeding. Constantly bleeding. And this was a game that was really his coming out party uh, in terms of what it was to the K-State uh, nation, so to speak. You know, coming into that game, K State looked shaky early on in the season, barely being Eastern Kentucky, having to kind of wait uh, wait that one out to the wire. That's another game that you can look at as an yep. early season game that is has left K State fans uh, without any without any fingernails. But then pitch pitch a shutout against Kent. Pitch a shutout against Kent State goes on the road. Really, his coming out party for Tyler Lockett. Anything that really uh, comes to mind for you? I think I think of two games. I think of uh, the Texas game in two thousand three. And the Oklahoma game in two thousand three, where it, I'm it, sorry, Tyler Lockett. or two thousand thirteen rather. Excuse me. Oh yeah, I need to add a one in there in, in between yeah. uh, th- that uh, that uh, that that year. But uh, with with Tyler Lockett in that twenty thirteen Texas game, I believe he set the record for most uh, receiving yards in a game for in Kansas State history. He eclipses it later on that season against uh, against Oklahoma. Unfortunately, both losses for Kansas State. But uh, a guy that's uh, well over 200 yards in each of those games. I also look at when he, uh, on that one game, I think it was 2013 TCU, crosses up Jason Verrett on, a beaut- on the, one of the most beautiful routes you'll ever see on a double move, uh, and he can just stroll right into the end zone. When I think of Tyler Lockett in his game, I think of just precise route running and sure hands. It just blinding speed. Too. Oh, yeah. But incredible route runner. Um you know, a diminutive guy, but could just tie up cornerbacks in knots. And, uh, you know, he's got the stats to back it up. I think for L. Roberson, when we look at back at his kind of his legacy at Kansas State, I think one thing comes to mind. It's not even something that happened, you know, while the game was going on. And it was the uh, Nebraska, Nebraska getting in Jamal Lord's face, a, a place that Kansas State had not won in, in over 30 years. Getting out there and setting the tone that K State uh, is going to uh, going to be here all day, and K State is in the house, and it's going to be 
uh, a beat down today, and it sure was here as K State. That's one of the more just satisfying K State oh, games yeah. of, of all time in yeah. my book. But then, of course, the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma, where uh, he, he sets the Big 12 championship game record for, for most uh, passing touchdowns. Uh, a guy that, uh, when I when I look at him uh, getting into the reign of honor, makes me smile every time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, long overdue. All right. Well, D'Lo, I, I'm needing a prediction from you here on, on K-State versus South Dakota here on Saturday. I think K-State offense rolls. I think they don't miss a beat. I think uh, Martinez goes out there, has a pretty clean game. Deuce does what he wants. Uh, K-State puts up 48. Defense uh, holds. I mean, I think the defense is going to be suffocating this year. Uh, I expect South Dakota to score likely late, but I'm, I'm going to say 48-16. to 48-16. Kansas State. For Delu. I'm going K-State 41, South Dakota 10. All right. We'll see who's right. Decisive victories for Kansas State. We're both seeing it that way, Del. Yes. Absolutely. Indeed. So that's the rundown here on K-State in South Dakota. But the predictions don't stop here no. on the short side options. They're just getting started, actually. Yeah. I mean, we're just getting into it, folks. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to give our rundown of the entire Big 12 and give you the predictions of how it's going to shake out here in 2022 for uh, for not only for K-State, but also for the rest of the Big 12 Conference. Join us here after a quick break. Welcome back to the Short Side Option Podcast. You are listening to DLU. You're listening to the Icon. And folks, we're going to get into our annual tradition here of going game by game. Every game Big 12 teams play this year, you're going to hear the prediction right here, right now with DLU and the Icon. And Icon, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go team by team, game by game? Let's go team by team. All right. Let's. What uh, let, you want to start out with the Baylor Bears? Let's just go down the list alphabetically. That I think that is appropriate. Let's do it. Baylor, Baylor lead us off here with the Baylor Bears. Baylor starts off against Albany. I've been getting a W against the Great Danes, starting out one and zero. As do I. They next travel to Provo, Utah. Yes, taking on they the do. BYU Cougars, a premier opponent in a future conference foe. That's right. I've been losing. I do too. Wow. See, there's a lot of ballyhoo with Baylor this year. But we each have them uh, dropping a game at a conference. They next go, uh, they next return to Waco to face Texas State. Dub there for the Baylor Bears. Iowa State next on the road to Ames. I've had the Bears win. I got them losing. Okay. You got them winning, or I have them winning, you have them losing. Yep. They welcome Oklahoma State the next week into uh, Waco. I've got the Bears winning this one. I got them bouncing back, too. Okay. Bye week at West Virginia on a kind of a tricky Thursday night game. Yeah. I've got the Bears winning. I got them uh, losing to the Mountaineers. I think we both have them winning against KU. Yes. At Texas Tech, how do you see it? I see the Bears uh, getting a W there. I do as well. Tricky two-game stretch here for Baylor. At Oklahoma, and then Kansas State at home. How do you see it? I have them losing to Oklahoma. 
and winning against Kansas State. Okay. TCU comes into Waco next. How do you see it? Letdown game for the Baylor Bears, dropping it to the Horned Frogs. I've got the beating Texas Christian, but I have Baylor losing on that Black Friday game on the 40 acres against Texas. And I got them winning against Texas. So I've got Baylor 8 and 4, 6 and 3. 7 and 5, 5 and 4. Okay. Up and down year for the Bears. You know, that's not necessarily all that hard. I mean, we're, we see it pretty much the same in terms of kind of what we see from the Baylor Bears this year. They're losing a lot uh, up and down that uh, up and down that roster. The offensive line, you know, is looked at as one of the better ones coming back in the Big 12 this year. Blake Shapin, uh, a nice quarterback. Uh, we saw him firsthand last year in That's Manhattan. Right. He is not a question mark for me. More of the question mark for me is how much they lost on defense and at the skill positions. Yeah. I, I just look at what Dave Aranda is, is able to do. I don't think his his merit is, is beyond reproach, really. But I think when you just lose as many good players as they lost, it's tough to, for me to see them replicating the 10-2 year they had last year. Right. I, I see them taking a step back here. I don't know if Baylor's quite at a point yet where I'm giving them enough credit where they just reload every year. Yeah, I'm not quite there either. Now, if you tell me that Baylor goes 10-2 and two this year, I, I might look at you funny, but I, I would say that's not without the realm of possibility by any stretch. Oh, I, I think it could certainly happen. I just, too much too much to replace, and uh, it's a wide open year in the Big 12, and I think Baylor's going to be right there uh, going into that final game of the season with a chance to get back to Arlington. So. Maybe not the year that Baylor fans are, are hoping for, but still a, a strong year for Dave Aranda's squad. Uh, let's go to Iowa State. Now, let's, let's do this one a little bit differently instead of just going right down the, right down the, the, the bat here at, uh, on each game. I've got them at 6-6 six and six overall. I do too. Okay. I have 4-5 and five in the league. I've got them losing their non-conference game to Iowa. Same for you? Yes. Okay. We have one of the other two, though. That's right. Okay, so let's get into the conference. Uh, we, we talked, they, they lose to Baylor. Uh, now they beat KU. A big game for them. Kansas State comes into Ames. How do you see that one going? I see Kansas State winning that game. Uh, I think K-State gets the W up in Ames. Okay, so loss for Iowa State there. They go on the road to Texas next. How do you like that one? Uh, at Texas, I see them losing that one. I do as well. Big stretch here. Oklahoma after a bye week in Ames. How do you see that one shaking out? I see them losing that one. I have them upsetting Brent Venables, Oklahoma State. I like it. I like that. Last time they were there, they lost. History repeats itself. The sirens are, are blaring it up in Ames uh, on that Saturday. I love it. Uh, West Virginia comes to Ames next. I've got that as a win. I have Iowa State bouncing back against the Mountaineers. At Oklahoma State, I have a loss. I have a loss. Texas Tech in Ames, a win. A win for me, too. And then they close out the season in Fort Worth, out in the stockyards against Texas Christian. Win for uh, the Cyclones there. I have a loss. Six and six, four and five in the league for the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, so I have, uh, I actually have Iowa State uh, seven and five. Seven and five? Yeah. For Mr. D. Lewin. That's right. Okay. Gotcha. So seven and five for for D. Lou, six and six for Iowa State. We're right in the same neighborhood. When you look at what Iowa State brings back, you know they had a, a very experienced team last year. 
some new faces, uh, no Brees Hall, no Brock Purdy, uh, who, who guys that have been there for a long time. Yep. Tough to replace that. Kind, uh, of, even, a, even, kind of a changing of the guard in Ames. Sure. And, you know, I, I think that with Brock Purdy, there were some flashes of great play. There were some flashes of very inconsistent play. Um, really, when you look at it, I think Iowa State fans probably are, are ready to kind of turn the page there on that chapter. Hunter Deckers is a guy that has seen some playing time. Got a play last year in the Iowa, in the Cyhawk game against Iowa. Uh, and then has had some other action as well. I, I don't know if I necessarily, um, I don't know if I can necessarily see Iowa State. Like when you see most of the preseason rankings, of the Big Twelve, there's that jumbled kind of anywhere from really three to six to seven that is, yeah. is really up for grabs. I can't. I see them right in the heart of that mix. Uh, I can't see them really ascending just because of the new of the new uh, faces at the skill positions, but. You have enough faith in Matt Campbell to feel like they're going to get back to a bowl game at least. Yeah, I mean, I think we both see it as kind of a rebuilding year in Ames. Uh, but, shoot, it's a testament to the program he's he's put together here that in a rebuilding year, kind of the dawn of a new era in Ames um, that we saw him going bowling. Let's switch over to our in-state rival, the KU Jayhawks. Let's just talk about games we have them winning. I think we have them winning the same ones. Tennessee Tech? Yep. Duke Blue Devils. Duke Blue Devils. And Duke is very bad. You know, a lot of people are kind of high on, on the Jayhawks this year, um, kind of expecting them to win, and I say high, uh, win anywhere from three to five games. A season win total is at two and a half. I feel like three, going, even though I have them at two and ten, I do think that they're probably going to find a way, because I, there were a couple games I thought about giving KU whether if it was Iowa State at home, whether if it was, I I was honestly kind of thinking about West Virginia even too on the road second game of the season, uh, for the Jayhawks and for the Mountaineers. Uh, but you know I just when I look at their their conference schedule, I think that it's entirely possible they take a step back from three wins last year to two wins this year. I think it's entirely possible though, and I would say likely that they have a better team this year than they did last year. It's just I, I don't quite necessarily see it all coming together for them yet. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be any better. <laughs> you're you're we'll a little see. bit more bearish. Well, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I, I live in Missouri. I'm going to show me guy. Okay? And so we'll, we'll see. I, I've heard a lot of preseason optimism out of Lawrence before. Um, we'll see if, if last year, towards the tail end of that, when they played TCU in West Virginia and Texas, was an apparition or whether that team – was kind of starting to become the real deal on whether it'll carry over this year. So we both have them 2-10, and 0-9 in conference play. Yes. Let's skip Kansas State for now. Let's come back to them. Let's look at the Oklahoma Sooners, breaking in a new head coach, a head coach that is certainly familiar to fans of the Purple, uh, uh, with Brent Venables in his first year uh, at, uh, at Oklahoma. And this is a team that I feel – when you look at the Big 12 being wide open this year, because you could always kind of pencil in, well, Oklahoma, they're going to win 11 games, minimum, almost yeah. year in, year out. Mm-hmm. This year I feel like there's a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more change in there. You've got new faces on on the defensive side of the ball, new faces on the coaching staff, 
new faces on the offensive coaching staff with a brand new staff there as well. Dylan Gabriel, the uh, the quarterback out of UCF, transfers who's had some injury concerns in the past, uh, is the is the trigger man here for uh, for Jeff Levy's offense. To me, too many question marks, too much news. A first time head coach. Yeah. I can't pencil Oklahoma in at, at that eleven, you know, win schedule. I've got them going nine and three with losses to Kansas State, Iowa State, in the Red River game against Texas. I have them going eight and four. Okay. With losses to Texas at West Virginia and Oklahoma State. I said eight and four icon. Yeah, you did. Also have them losing to the Huskers up in Lincoln. I like it. So you've got to lose the back-to-back games. Or no, you have them beating Kansas State. You have them beating Kansas State. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that is not a bad pick uh, of having uh, the, the loss up there in, in the Sea of Red. I, you know, it, part of me just thinks it would be awful funny. Because <laughs> Frost feels like he's on his way out the door. And a, a win against Oklahoma would really have people just second-guessing everything. Scratching their heads a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, and like you, I'm not exactly sold on Venables. I think there's too many new faces. A tumultuous offseason, too. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, there's some talent there, but I don't think this is the Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma. I think my, my overall thought process when going through these picks is to kind of, you call it fade, or just have a little bit more skepticism on first-year head coaches in the league. Yeah, Lincoln Riley, uh, you know Texas Tech with Joey McGuire, uh, TCU uh, with Dykes there, uh, moving across town, uh, going from uh, from right. Dallas to uh, to Fort Worth. You look at these guys, and you can honestly, you can you can really almost throw uh, Lance Leipold into this mix, too, because he didn't get started until April. So this is his first full, real season with a right. spring ball. That probably helps him more than it gives him more of a leg up. So you don't really even consider him necessarily a new coach, even though he didn't get there until after spring ball had already concluded, essentially, uh, in, in Lawrence last year. But too much moving around, a little bit too much uh, tumult, so to speak, sure. in, uh, in Norman. I like the Sooners. I like him going 9-3, and three, though. Yeah, I uh, one game less that Nebraska game is the swing game for it. Okay, let's jump uh, just a little bit north and a little bit east over to Stillwater. Stillwater. Uh, this is an Oklahoma State team. They're getting kicked off tonight. They're not having any trouble with Central Michigan. I don't think either of us. You didn't have the chips firing up in that yeah, one. I did you? not. I did not. Well, that makes two of us. Uh, I've got Oklahoma State going undefeated in conference play. They do have a. They do welcome uh, Herm Edwards and the Sun Devils. Into uh, into Boone Pickens, uh, but I've got the uh, the Cowboys starting off three and zero, and then in their conference opener to the Baylor Bears, I got them losing. Likewise, and then I have a three game winning streak for them against uh, Texas Tech, Texas Christian uh, at uh, at um, at Boone Pickens Stadium uh, for them there, and uh, I've got Oklahoma State. The other three games that I have the the three games I have them losing here in conference play, Baylor. Kansas State, Oklahoma. I have them losing Baylor, Kansas State, and winning in Norman, in Bedlam. Okay. That would be a big win for uh, Mike Gundy. 
So you've got him ten and two. I got him ten and two. Ten and two, seven and two in the league. That's right. Okay. What do we think about Oklahoma State just as a whole? With Gundy, you, you get the dean of Big Twelve coaches here, and I think that kind of goes back to my previous comment. The guys that are a little bit newer in the league, you're now you're, you transition from Oklahoma with Brent Venables to to Mike Gundy there at Oklahoma State, a guy that you know how long he's been there now. Uh, what, like 18 years or something? 18 yeah. years. Isn't that crazy? Uh-huh. Well, and it's so funny because, you know, the meme that he had with, uh, I'm a man, I'm 40. You go back and what was that, 2007, 2006? Yeah. Um, and you tell me that, listen, this guy is going to be the longest tenured head coach. And he's going to bring this Oklahoma State program to heights that they've never seen before. Exactly. I would have told you you're crazy because he was just like this young maniac <laughs> yeah and he's kind of grown into be the uh, elder statesman and so uh i really like gundy really like the program he's put together um he stuck with oklahoma state through some drama really sure uh, <laughs> there's gonna be in 18 years but um i have another good season for for mike gundy and uh finishing off 10 and 2 sunny dykes uh takes over the program uh, at Texas Christian for Gary Patterson, who had been uh, the, the Frogs' head man for over 20 years. Uh, now, Gary Patterson, now a defensive analyst over at Texas, so trading in this purple versus some burnt orange. This is a team that is kind of a trendy pick uh, for a lot of folks, as maybe a team that could get uh, to Arlington and, and be a contender for the Big 12 title. Uh, Dila, what say, what say you here for the what the frogs have in store for 2022. I'm not on this trend. Um, but mostly that's just because like you, I'm a little skeptical of first year head coaches. TC really struggled last year. Um, I, I don't see it this year in Fort Worth. I'm going uh, five and seven, uh, three and six in the conference. I also am dropping a game uh, to SMU at a conference. Okay. I've got a winning that, that SMU uh, TCU game. The uh, battle for the, the skillet. The yeah, is the it the iron, iron skillet? skillet? The iron skillet. That's what I thought. Big time game there, of course, with uh, with Dykes coming over from SMU. Uh, he he gets to go right back to uh, to uh, to uh, Dallas there for that one uh, in the third game of the season. You know, I think uh, as a Big Twelve media days, and I was listening to some radio there. I think one of the guys asked me, he's like, for that game, are you, do you have any, or well, for maybe that first game when they play Tarleton State, you have any chance you might just, out of bad habit, drive to the wrong stadium? He's like, well, you know, it could happen, I guess. Yeah, but, theoretically. You know, anything's possible. <laughs> but They start off the year uh, tomorrow night in Boulder. They do, and that's a, kind of a tricky game, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, with the buffs up there at Altitude. Kind of a tricky spot there for the Frogs. We'll, we'll see. I, I think the Frogs are about touchdown favorites or so. I think that's ballooned up to about 11. 10 and a half, right. 11 They, they opened as, as at like 6.5 or 7. And now I think it's even over 11 now. I, I think it got as high as... Money flooding it on the Frogs. Yeah. I kind of like the other side there. That's just a teaser there. there but I, I, I do like TCU to win the game. So uh, we look at that. I have them going undefeated in non-conference play. And then I only have them winning two more conference games, Dell. I've got them beating KU and then beating Iowa State to close out the season. A 5-7, and 2-7 and seven, uh, stretch. 
And I've got them going through a stretch here where they lose uh, where they lose six in a row. Uh, they're kind of in that, that October to November portion of the schedule. Uh, a little bit of a tough stretch there for TCU. Yeah, I've been dropping it, dropping games to SMU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Western Virginia, uh, Texas, and Iowa State. I have them uh, surprising Baylor uh, in the midst of a rough year. Uh, that rivalry game always uh, toss record books out for that one. But uh, I've been winning at KU, Texas Tech at home, and uh, shocking the Baylor Bears. Well, th- I like that, Dell. I like that a lot. And um, I'm going back through here, and I, I want to make a correction here earlier. I had uh, I wanted to mention I have Oklahoma State beating Texas. It, it as well. I I didn't call that one out previously. I've got them beating Texas. So I've got uh, I, I've got te- I've got Oklahoma State nine and three, six and three. Just want to very well. That. Okay, Dilo. Let's go to those uh, Texas Longhorns. How do you see it shaking out for them? Steve Sarkeesian's second year. They got Quinn Ewers, new trigger man down on the 40 acres. They do. How do you, uh, how do you prognosticate uh, the Longhorns faring out uh, in Sarkeesian's second year? Biggest game of the season for them is, is the second game of the season against Alabama. And I don't think they're beating Alabama by any stretch. I don't even know if that game's I, The way you were gearing that up, I thought you were going to say something crazy. There. No, I'm not saying anything crazy. I think Texas loses that game by maybe three or four scores. But the real key to their season is how they respond after that game. Uh, do they go on a tailspin, or do they, you know, buckle up the chin strap a little bit and and, and get it going in the right direction? I think that's a big game for them because it's not a game they're going to win. Yeah, I have I have Texas going seven and five, five and four in conference. I've got them going eight and four, six and three in the Big Twelve. Losses to uh, in the Big Twelve. I have them losing to Texas Tech in the conference opener, rolling off three straight wins against West Virginia, OU, and Iowa State, losing to Oklahoma State, losing to Kansas State, and then winning the remaining three games against TCU, KU, and Baylor. Our only difference there is the Baylor game. Okay. I have the uh, Baylor Bears winning that one. Texas Tech next up. Joey McGuire. The new man down there in uh, in West Texas. Is he related to uh, Big Mac? Mark? Yeah. I think he might be related to uh, Jerry McGuire. <laughs> Is that Show right? Show me the money. Hey. Ambassador of Quan. That's right. Uh, you had me at hello. I mean, what what else what else needs to be said? He's recruiting his pants off down there he in is. Lubbock. Uh, this year, I don't think they're going to be quite ready. Some of that's the thing, too. And, and you have to give Texas Tech credit last year after firing Matt Wells after the K-State game. They were able to scratch out one against Iowa State and get to a bowl game. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's kind of one thing. Is usually, Which is hilarious. With, they, oh, we're not going to go bowling this year. They were five, They started out, what, 5-1? and one? I think so, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what the let the season play out. But yeah. I know there's a lot of excitement down there for the Red Raiders. They, they, they love Joey McGuire. Um, and I, I just think that first year, going to have some growing pains. This would be a bowl team if their non-conference schedule wasn't one of the toughest ones in the country. Yeah, they, they play uh, Houston and at NC State. NC State is talked about as a, a possible playoff team. Yeah. Possible, you know, kind of dark horse team out of the ACC. Talk about a guy who really had a 
you know, rebirth Dave Doran. Yeah. Because he was on the hot seat a couple of years ago. And I think a little bit of that is, well, the ACC is not overly difficult. And last year they kind of got their program statement win uh, at home against Clemson. Yeah. So certainly some things moving in the right direction for the Wolfpack. Uh, but uh, don't turn your back on the Wolfpack. You might end up in a body bag. You might. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I've got them losing both those games to Houston at NC State. The the other thing you have to be careful with is you do see what Texas Tech is doing on the recruiting trail that kind of, you know, makes the layman think, oh, this is the program on the rise. Those guys that they have signed this that uh, in this next year's recruiting class, they aren't there now. Right. So you have to kind of separate. Wait, and they'll only be freshmen next year. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same thing you see with Texas A&M. They had a huge recruiting class this last year. None of those guys, or I shouldn't say none of them, few of those guys are actually really going to help you this year. Yeah. So you have to kind of maybe three or four years away from really where you see the fruits of that uh, really pay off for Texas Tech. But uh, I've got a beating Texas, Western Virginia, TCU, and KU. A Big 12 play. I've been beating uh, Murray State, Texas, and uh, Kansas. I have the uh, Red Raiders having their worst season in close to 30 years. Uh, I'm going 3-9. Yeesh. Yeesh. Yeesh is right. But again, it's playing Houston and NC State. That's a that's a tough draw in the out-of-conference. But I'm, uh, I don't like the uh, Red Raiders season win total this year. Okay. Noted. Two more teams left. Western Virginia. The Mountaineers. Head out to Morgantown. Neil Brown, do or die season for him. And, you know, really, they're kicking it off tonight against Pitt. What's the, what's the score update here? Is we're, we're cooking past the 9 o'clock hour. The Mountaineers are trailing the Pittsburgh Panthers 17-24 to as we enter the fourth quarter. Up for grabs. But these predictions were made well before the game started. Yep. And we both had them lose at the backyard brawl. That's right. I've got West Virginia winning their next three. Likewise. Against KU, Towson, and uh, up in Blacksburg against uh, the Hokies. Another kind of tough non-con here for Why a guy on the hot seat. Yeah. I mean, trying to get him fired? I think they may. Um, and then conference play uh, after, after the KU game to kick off here in week two. Uh, I've got them winning one more game after that Virginia Tech win, and that's against Texas Christian. I've got West Virginia four and eight, two wow. and seven in the league. Wow! See, uh, this may be where we deviate the most. I got West Virginia seven and five, five and four, uh, winning the same three: KU, Towson, Virginia Tech, losing on the forty acres, winning a surprise game against Baylor on that Thursday night, uh, bringing home a victory from Lubbock, winning. Uh, over TCU, losing to Iowa State, beating Oklahoma in another shocker, and losing their last two games to what I think are the two best teams in the conference, Kansas State and Oklahoma State. All righty. Icon? It's not. It's Kansas good. State. Well, we've already given away our predictions. I, I assume everyone's been just... For our listeners. They've been, they've been taking notes, uh, saying, oh, man, here and here, well... Hey, who does the icon have K-State losing to this year? The answer is nobody. Wow. I love it. I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna be the uh, 
extremely uh, optimistic guy this year, taking a page out of your book, calling 10 and 2. But 10 and 2 is in the rearview mirror, baby. It's 12 and 0, baby. It's, it was always 12 and 0. Yeah. Kansas State goes 12 and 0 this year. I love it. I think it's Toughest great. game for me, and I think the scariest game for me is at Iowa State. Iowa State over uh, at Waco, huh? Yeah. Wow. I I don't like where that case. Iowa is. State over uh, at Norman. Yeah, I think Iowa State is a is a really tricky game for K State. Uh, it's in a place where we haven't won a little bit um, since that 2016 season. It was the last time we we got a win up in Ames. It's a it's a. Uh, it's a tight spot, too, with a bye week coming up. But I think if K-State can get through that that first stretch uh, of, of games at 6-0, which I love where they play Oklahoma. That's why I'm not overly concerned about the Oklahoma game as it was to yeah. be in relation. Because I like that we're playing Oklahoma a little earlier in the, in the conference schedule. First game of the year. Of course, K-State starts out on the road again for the 88th time in Big 12 history. It's, it's absurd. Despicable. So twelve and zero for Kansas State. Dilu, what do you? Where, where, where does K State slip up? I got them uh, ten and two losses in Norman and uh, in Waco. And so now you've got Kansas State playing whom in the Big Twelve title game? I have Kansas State and Oklahoma State each having uh, seven conference wins, two conference losses, and uh, K State playing Oklahoma State in Arlington and uh, succeeding in that game. Well, Dell, I've got quite the logjam. I noticed that. If 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 our sharpened listeners were uh, listening, there's a, a little bit of a mess. Get out the rule book. Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Texas. I've got all finishing six and three in the league. What do you do? Well, you look at you look at uh, how those teams did against each other, and there are two teams that come to the top there, and that's Oklahoma and Texas. They both went two and one against the other three teams. The tiebreaker, the Red River win by Texas this year. They meet Kansas State in the Big Twelve title game for a rematch. Kansas State is victorious. Kansas State goes thirteen and zero, punches the ticket to the playoff. I love it. 13-0. Playoff. Wow. Now, who do we play in the playoff? I haven't, I haven't quite got there yet. <laughs> we'll figure that out next week. But early indications? Notre Dame. <laughs> hey, 2012. Rematch. 11-1 Notre Dame. On the other side, you've got, uh, you've got K-State uh, going up against Alabama. Or, well, K-State is on the one side with, Oklahoma, or with Notre Dame. Alabama and Ohio State. K-State, potential national championship hopes there for the icon. I love it. Wait, you're saying it with your chest and you always do, and that's why they call you the icon, sir. 12-0, baby. Yeah. We're just going to outflank the competition. Outmaneuver and outflank. That's the name of the game. And that's what we're all about this season. Outflanking. Using tactability. Tactical natures. That's what it's all about. Not like, you know, like when you see uh, on the, uh, I mean, you've read The Art of War, haven't you? Sun Tzu, baby. It's, you have to have the warrior's mindset. Yeah. And, and with K-State, uh, I, I, I love the schedule. 
12 and 0. I think you've been spending too much time on Philosopher's Corner. That's not a bad place to spend your time, Matt. No, it's not. Okay, so the icon has K-State 12 and 0 going to the playoff. D-Lou, myself, I have K-State going 10 and 2, winning in Arlington. We're uh we're you're, you're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. Sugar Bowl. Okay. Any potential opponent there? I, I'm gonna also I'm gonna backtrack. I'm gonna scratch Notre Dame. I, I don't know who we're playing in the playoff. Well, we're playing Notre Dame Sugar Bowl, actually. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Bourbon Street. That's right. Well, that is the It's gonna be hard for Notre Dame to go to the playoff this year. They uh, lose I think if they lose to Ohio State and they run the table, they can get in. But uh, that's a tall order. Tall order. Uh, scratch Notre Dame. Yeah. All right. But not from the not from the Sugar Bowl. They're they're, they're in the Sugar Bowl. All right. Well, we have spreadsheets here. Uh, if you also predicted every game, why don't you tweet them at us? And we'll uh, we'll share our predictions. We'll we'll uh, we'll put them out there. We'll stand by them. Yeah. No question. We always do. We that's always right. have, and we always will. Well, that's the uh, season predictions. Icon, we're going to get into our final segment on the show. Segment we hear at the Short Side Option call Ask the Icon, where listeners can ask the Short Side Option's very young Chris the Icon Sork uh, questions, and he will do his best to answer them. Uh, you can tweet them at us uh, by tweeting them at TSSO underscore podcast, or by using, of course, the hashtag Ask the Icon, which uh, I believe was trending last week. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Not a surprise. Yeah. Or uh, get out the sidewalk shock and... Uh, Write me a nice message. Yeah. Pigeon also works. Pigeon. Got a nice little coop of them here at uh, at headquarters of uh, the, the short side option. Yeah. However you want to do it. Our first question this week comes from listener Tyler H at TH8 underscore. Tyler asks, Hey, Icon. If Adrian Martinez were to get hurt... Would it be worthwhile to get AJ enrolled early and start at QB this fall? Yes. Yeah. It would be. It'd be very worthwhile our time. It's a great idea. Get get that clock started as early as you can. Get them get them reclassified. Uh, say pull out of trade class. Say uh, you no longer play for May, son. You play for Kansas State. <laughs> You're a Kansas State man now. A uh, great question from uh, Tyler H. Great to have him. You know, he was kind of getting after me a little bit. Because uh, you know he had some questions, and we weren't taking questions during our, our previous segments because we were wanting to get right down to brass tacks there. Yeah. But uh, we 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 came back. We we always we never leave our listeners uh, thirsting for for information as it relates to their questions to the very own Short Side Option Podcast. And our final question this week comes from listener Trim at Trim Goema. Trim asks, season four of Tempty. Uh, was a disappointment to say the least. Can Mark Wahlberg turn it around, or is he on the hot seat himself? And does the season four drop off raise any concerns for our football cats as they enter the fourth year of this new era? Well, y- it's funny you say fourth year. We've been doing the po- short side option podcast also for four years. Yep. Synergy. Synergy. Alignment. Multiplicity. It's all here at the short side option. Yeah. And, you know, we are kind of our leading authority on Temptation Island. I have not been keeping as close of an eye on it here in the most recently. The All-22 is obviously taking up most of my time. Sure. But, uh, 
You want to also mention a little something else. Who else kind of got into the mix uh, yeah. in the short side options mentions there? Yeah. Mark Wahlberg, the host of Short Side Out. Or... <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, I didn't grab a seat with us, huh, Del? <laughs> the host of Temptation Island, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Any relation to uh, like Donnie? I, I'm not sure. Any relation to Mark? Same guy? Same guy, possibly. Um, anyway, he tweets it and says that he is not on the hot seat and that season five is going to be uh, fire. A season to remember. Yeah. Similar to this Kansas State season. Oh, possibly. It's all coming together. The signs. I I don't think season four of Temptation Island really has that much uh, impact on K-State this season. I think they've been practicing all spring, all fall. Um, If they let that distraction get in the way, uh, then I I think we've got some big problems this year. I, I would agree. I don't see that happening. I think a big season for Kansas State. I think a big season for Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really see it spelling disaster for K State. But but good point, um, nonetheless. And, and Trim always does a great job. He does. He does a terrific job. Yeah. Well, that that wraps up. Ask the icon. Icon. Any final thoughts as we uh, head into uh, the the first game of the season for K State? Football's in the air. And the short side options ready ready to deliver. I, I couldn't be more excited here for this upcoming season. We're gonna take it to the limit. We are. We're gonna take it to the limit. You know, we. It, you know, as the when you look at here this season, what I think the biggest concern is is health. If K State stays healthy, I don't think there's a better team in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Well, not as better. evidenced by my team out. on our schedule. No. We'd love to see. Um, Dilo, anything you want to add here as we wrap it up here on this edition of the Short Side Option? No, we just made it through another offseason here, and they always feel like they get longer. But, um, no, I'm, I'm pleased as punch uh, that football's about to start. Me too, brother. Me too. Folks, that's going to do it here for us on this edition of the Short Side Option podcast. You know, we'll be sure to tweet out our, our predictions here in uh, – in full uh, in full transparency, we want you to play along as well. Who do you have uh, making it to Arlington? What do you have uh, as Kansas State's record here this season? And if you do this, you better list out every game. You have to. That's the only fair way to do it. Because yeah. you see, like, uh, uh, you pick up an Athlon magazine. They've got, you know, 9 and 3. But they don't give you, like, who's winning this game? Put who's your money winning? where your mouth is. You can't just throw out numbers. Yeah, you can't just lick your finger and put it in the air and say, oh, I think TCU is a 7-5 team. Do you have a beating Texas Tech? Huh? they got to show your work. Show your work. If this was sophomore year algebra, you're, you're not you might get the that. right answer, but you're getting points deducted because you're not showing your work. That's right. And that's of paramount importance. Yep. So that's going to do it here for us on this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. We'll be back next week. Uh, to look at um, to look at uh, the big game that K State fans have been looking forward to here for some time uh, against uh, the Missouri Tigers, and we'll also uh, give a nice review here on the South Dakota game. Also, keep your ears tuned here to the Short Side Option uh, as we're going to have the fine folks from Manhattan Brewing Company uh, on to uh, talk a little bit about what they have going on. As I mentioned here earlier, uh, looking forward to having them on. And uh, looking forward to recapping what we think is going to be a resounding win in the K-State opener 
as uh, they uh, welcome the Missouri Tigers here to town next week. So, folks, thanks for listening to Short Side Option, and go Cats.